Look at your neighbor and say, technology is great when it works. <laughs> Amen. We had a couple of pops and cracks and microphones this morning. It was a little static. And then we had the music come on while he was, while the missionary was up there, scared everybody to death. And technology is wonderful when it works. And what you all don't know is I spent the entire time at lunch back there messing with our printer trying to get it get it to print these for you correctly. So it took me an hour to do something that should have took me 10 minutes. Um, And that's why your other book isn't printed off as well. My lovely wife came to my rescue and helped me get those done. I appreciate her. I appreciate my pastor um, and all he does here. And I appreciate the vision of being intentional. Um, But my topic today is the future of church technology. I I hope and I pray that you hear my heart. And this, this, this is my passion, to see the church become more technologically advanced, Um, to use all and every aspect that we have to reach more people for the kingdom of God. That's what I want to do. I want, I want to see as many churches in America have live stream that are in America. I believe every church should have live stream. I, I may say some things that don't quite line up what, with what other people have said today. But, you know, this is, this is the millennial perspective. Let's, let's put it like that. This is the millennial perspective. So the future of church technology. Um, feel free to take notes in your uh, folder that they gave you earlier or on these slides. I just wanted everybody to be able to see um, what I was talking about. What if there was nothing new? What if nothing new was ever created? What would we have? Or what wouldn't we have? There would be no cars, TVs, cell phones, computers, no internet, light bulbs, electricity. There would be no sound systems, no projector screens, no cameras, no microphones, no keyboards, no radios, no headphones, no pianos, no drums. There would be no guitars, there would be no chairs, there would be no pews. No tables would exist, no doors would exist, no buildings would exist. There would be no houses, there would be no towels. There would be no bathtubs, there would be no knives, there would be no forks. There would be no toilets. There would be no toilet paper. Sorry, I was just trying to, you all can laugh, it's okay. This is just who I am, I'm just going to be me and you be you and you can laugh. It's all right. Uh, There would be no refrigerators, no microwaves, no stoves, no pots, no pans, no grills, no spoons, knives, forks, cups, glasses, hearing aids, makeup, jewelry, clothes, shoes, underwear, socks, hats, businesses, hospitals, food, hair, skin. There would be no cells in your body. There would be no trees. There would be no plants. There would be no animals. In fact, there wouldn't even be humans if there was never anything new on this earth. Nothing would exist. But thank the Lord that he's a creator. Amen? 
God has been and is creating and imparting people with the ability to create since the very beginning of time. God has birthed in each and every one of us the ability to create something. Your, blo- your blood and in, in your, in your veins, that it creates new blood cells, right? Your skin renews itself every so many days. You have the bi- ability to create in your body. I, w- I want to turn to Genesis 1. 1. I need a bigger stand up here, apparently. I usually have an iPad, but my iPad is cracked um, so bad you can barely see it. So um, it's time for a new one. But Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created. Not only is God a creator, these first couple slides, I'm going to go really fast. Not only is God a creator, but God is an innovator. God is an innovator. The definition of innovate is to make changes in something established, especially by introducing new methods, ideas, or products. A person in the book that you're going to get later on defines innovation as creating something before people know they need it. And as Pastor Rick so wonderfully preached last night, I began to, I was sitting back there and I was praying and I was like, God, you're going to have to help me with this message because, you know, I'm, I'm just 25 years old and there's a whole lot more better preachers that I'm preaching to right at this minute. And God, you're just going to have to help me because I'm not sure how this is going to come across. And I hope that I'm going to help somebody and I hope that I'm going to help some churches and I'm just back there praying. And God spoke these words to, into my spirit. It's not in my notes right there, but that's okay. He said, innovation is respecting tradition, but having vision for something new. Respecting tradition, but having vision to move forward. God is always up to something new. God never changes, but he is constantly working in new ways. When God said, when the Bible says that God created the earth, it was something established. It was, it was established. It, it, it was already put together. Everything was already there. But, but in verse uh, 3, the Bible says, then God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light, that it was good, and good divided, and God divided the light from the darkness. So even though the earth was established, the very next couple of verses, God then innovates on his creation. The earth was here. I believe that the sky was here, that everything around was here, but God's seen something that could be better about it. Is there stuff in your church that you see areas that it could be better? Amen? There's areas in this church that things could be better. 
we could have been a little bit more intentional about the live stream, like Pastor said. <laughs> we could have been a little bit more intentional about getting this, this stuff printed off. Um, but that was my fault, and I take full responsibility. But there's things that can be approved upon. As soon as God created, he immediately began to innovate his creation. He created and established the earth. Then he innovated his creation by introducing something new. The earth was still the earth. It just began to look, sound, smell, taste, and feel different. The church is still the church. Even if it begins to look, sound, feel, taste, and smell differently. Amen? I'm, I hope you all are with me. As change begins to happen in our church, it's still the church. As long as we've kept our principles the same. As long as the only thing that matters is Jesus Christ. Amen? That's our established foundation. It's Jesus Christ and the gospel being preached from our pulpits. That's what's established in the church. And everything else can be changed. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Innovation is essential for growth. Not only growth in the natural, but I believe growth in the spiritual. Verse 26 of Genesis 1 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. We are made in his image and his likeness. So if God is a creator and an innovator, and we are made in his image and his likeness, then I believe that on the inside of us somewhere that there is a desire to create and innovate. And if there isn't, you just haven't unlocked it yet. Somewhere on the inside of every one of us, there's a desire for something new. But the enemy has come in and said it's not tradition, so you can't move forward. That doesn't look the way that I'm used to it looking, so it can't be of God. Millennials don't come to church because they don't look the way that older people think they should look. You want the truth? The older generation has sat back and they've judged millennials because of how they look. They judge millennials because they, they have different ideas. They judge millennials because we want nothing to do with tradition. What we want is real. What we want is fire. What we want is anointing. What we want is the Holy Ghost and fire to come in and change lives and heal cancer and to set souls and to set people free from their addiction. Millennials want what you want, but we don't want it with tradition. We don't want it with tradition. If it comes with tradition, we will not take it. If I yell, I'm just passionate. I'm not mad. 
My, my mom tells me I'm harsh sometimes. I'm like, Mom, I'm not harsh. I'm passionate. If there isn't something inside of you that desires to create, that desires for innovation, then you may have just not unlocked it yet. God has, is unlocking things in me every single day that I just, I didn't realize was there. Um, all these videos you've seen, all the, all the, all the, the um, uh, yeah, all the videos on Facebook and all the graphics on Facebook and everything that we do here that consists of media. I have not had one bit of training. I have not had one bit of schooling. I have not had any of that. But God began to unlock things in me. And he began to say, you know, you, you have a talent and you have a niche for this. And it's built inside of you. And if you'll just begin to unlock it, I'll begin to move into, into better and greater things. And you'll begin to do more and more. And that is in each and every one of you. I'm a much better media person today than I ever was in the past, and it's because I was willing to let God unlock some things inside of me. Are you willing to let God unlock some things? Your book says, the book that you're going to get later says, to love as God loves is to innovate as he innovates. If God takes innovation seriously, then we should too. Innovation in the church is essential for sharing the most important message, the gospel. The book also says we, the church, need to be the ones pushing the boundaries and innovating. If the church's message is the most important message on the planet, which it is, our distribution methods for it should be at least as innovated as anything else. However, I believe that our methods should be more innovative than anything else because we are the church. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. He is the creator, and the creator can speak into our souls and our spirits, and he can give us visions for something that the world has never seen, and all we have to do is be willing to act on it. But the one thing that holds us back is tradition. It's a hard statement for some of you. Technology was never meant for the world. They just caught on first. God has created everything on this planet. And I believe that everything on this planet except for sinful things, obviously. But sin is just what the devil has took and corrupted it and, and made it evil, right? Everything that's created was good in its original form. And the enemy tries to come in and he takes, takes what God meant for good and he uses it for evil, right? So now we... <laughs> my next notes here. The enemy uses it for evil. You want an example? Unfortunately, there has always been a resistance to change in the church. 
Here's your example. I was at Willie Russell's house, Pastor Phil and Pastor Ronnie's father, and we were just sitting around visiting, and he began to talk about some worship and some songs, and he began to tell a story about how he remembered in the 1920s, he remembered in the 1920s, I mean, that blew me away in the first place, but um, (laughs) uh, in the 1920s that if you had a radio in your house, you were going to hell. Can you imagine a radio? We have radios in our cars, in our kitchens, in our bathrooms. We have radios on our phone. We have radios everywhere. I guess we're, but it was tradition. It was resistance to change. What did, what did the church look like when we first introduced sound systems? You ever think about it? Sound systems are just commonplace now, but I guarantee you that there was churches and there was preachers that would preach fire against if you have a sound system in your church. It's not right. Right? Projector screens. When we went from using the redback hymnals to putting words on the wall, they thought we were crazy. And nowadays, if the words aren't on the wall, we complain. I'm the worst one about it because I get up there and I just sing what God told me to sing. And I don't care if the words are in the computer or not. I'm here to worship Jesus. Anyway. New music. Every time we introduce a new song into the church, what do we hear? Why didn't you sing I'll Fly Away? I'm just being real, and I'm just being honest, and I'm just being me, okay? Is that all right? Can I just be mean this morning, this afternoon, whatever it is? There's nothing wrong with I'll Fly Away. But if God puts it in the worship leader's heart, To not sing, I'll fly away ever again. Can we respect the word of God to that individual? I don't know that God will ever tell me to sing, I'll fly away again. But if he does... I have a heart big enough that says, God, if you want to hear, I'll fly away. I'll play, I'll fly away to the best of my ability. I'll give it 150 cents, 150% of everything that's in me. I will sing, I'll fly away some glad morning when this life is o'er. I'll fly away. But God, if you're telling me to sing, How great is our God. God, I'll give you 150% of everything inside of me and I'll sing how great is our God. It's a heart issue. We've taken changes in the church and we've made them eternal issues and it's nothing about eternity. It's a heart issue. Lights. This is sensitive for some. We have beautiful lights up here. Still sensitive for him too, okay. But, you know. (laughs) 
Oh, goodness. Lights in the church. I, I've seen this, and some of you have probably shared it, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I've seen this, and it's a, it's a picture of a nightclub on one side, and it's a picture of a church on the other side, and it says it's a sad thing when you can't tell the difference. But like I said, it's a heart thing. How, let, me, let me propose this to you. I am 25 years old, and I've never been in a bar. I've never been in a nightclub. I've never been to a rock and roll concert. So I've never, except for on TV, and even then, it sickens me in my spirit when I see those things on TV. Even then, I turn it off. How can I sit back there in that sound booth, look up at this pulpit, and see lights? Not the lights that are here, but see even more. How can I sit back there and have vision for the whole stage to be designed differently? How can I see uh, lighting systems hanging from the ceiling and, and camera systems everywhere that are, that are getting the gospel, the true gospel, the fire message that comes from our pastor out into the world? How can a person that's never been exposed to anything the world has to offer sit there and God give him vision? It's because the world took what was meant for good and perverted it and used it for evil. My heart is to not look like the world. My heart is to not, uh, to not put on a show. My heart is to not put on entertainment. My heart is to look like the vision that God placed in my heart for us to look like. In the natural and the spiritual I'll throw it the other way. This has been said multiple times this weekend. But we come in and we do the same schedule over and over and over. We sing three songs. We take up an offering. We sing another song and then pastor gets up and preaches. I used to say 35 minutes, but it's an hour and 25 minutes. Um, no, I'm just kidding, Pastor. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he preaches a 45-minute to an hour and 25-minute message, and then we, we have an altar call, maybe. And then we go home, and nobody's ever changed, and nobody's ever saved, and the Spirit of God didn't even come in the room. you know in the temple they didn't even take up an offering? I didn't know I was going to talk about this. Me and Jade were talking about this last night. Jade waved at everybody, so he's another millennial, I know. Um, in the temple they didn't even take up an offering. They just brought their tithes and offering with them and gave it. They didn't say, hold up, stop everything, it's time for the offering." And in so many churches that the power and the spirit of God was moving in the midst and lives were being changed. And they said, stop, hold up. It's time for the offering. 
and you ruined everything that God was doing because you were worried that he wasn't going to be Jehovah Jireh and provide for your church. But you had to act in yourself and say it's time to take up the offering. We don't have to take up the offering. Pastor Ronnie was talking one night after church when we were there, and he was telling us about a church in Texas that, that they quit taking up offering, and they had a giving box, and everybody knew it was the giving box, and any time that they wanted to, they could go to the giving box, and they could drop in their offering. He said that that pastor was really scared, I'm sure, because it's change, and change is a challenge, the challenge of change. But Ronnie, what was the percentage of the increased offering? 17% just by not taking up an offering. Setting a box, either in the foyer or in the sanctuary, or putting, I've even seen boxes put along the side of the wall, and a 17% increase. Why? Because it didn't become, it was no longer a, a you better give. It was giving people the opportunity to have a heart of worship. And in the middle of the worship, when we're singing, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. God, they can go to that box and say, God, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. So I give you what is yours. Because you're good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to preach on the offering. I really wasn't. That's not in my notes. That was free. So, um, but our lights in the church, you know, we, we, we have this constant fight of new things. I had this thought driving down the road after Pastor had called me and asked me if I would be willing to teach this session to you. And that thought was, I was thinking about creation and God as a creator and God as an innovator. And that thought was, what if your deacons and your elders and your church board members we're at creation. Would they sit back like they do anytime you as a pastor, you as a youth pastor, you as a millennial comes up to them and says, hey, I want to do this. I want to change this. God is birthing this in my spirit, and I think we should do this. And they sit back and say, no, we have to stick to our tradition. So many board meetings I've been in. So many times I've sat before elders of a church and said, God is saying this to me. And not just in the natural realm with lights and cameras and, and sound, but also in the spiritual realm where God was saying it's time to fast. It's time to pray. It's time to put our schedules to the side. It's time for the anointing to come in again. And I would sit there and I would tell them my vision and what God was giving to me. And they would sit there and say no because they weren't willing to change. There's a challenge of change. Change has always been challenging. And even Jesus, even Jesus had this challenge. Then the Pharisees, and, I'm sorry, if you want to turn to Mark 7 and 1, it will be on the screen as well. Uh, then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisee and all the Jews...
do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and Devin, where are you? The Bible says couches, not sofas. He's a furniture salesman, and he says there's no such thing as a couch. Well, in the Bible, there was. <laughs> then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do, you di- why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? That was the Pharisees asking Jesus. Why do they eat with unwashed hands? He answered them and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines of the commandments of men. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. I'm not going to read the, all the verses. But if you don't have a Passion Translation, get one. It's wonderful. Um, it made me fall in love with Scripture again. But I'm going to read this. So the Pharisees and religious scholars asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the age-old traditions passed down by our elders? They should first ceremonially wash their hands before eating. Jesus replied, you are frauds and hypocrites. How accordingly did Isaiah prophesy about your phonies when he said the people honor me with their words while their hearts run far away from me. Their worship is nothing more than a charade. Their worship is nothing more than a charade. God, don't let our worship become charades. For they continue to insist that their man-made traditions are equal to the instructions of God. How many man-made traditions are in our churches? How guilty are we? of worshiping him in vain, worshiping him like he's not even in the room, singing a song, when you walk into the room, everything changes, but he hasn't been in our room for five months, sometimes longer. Come on. You ever go to church and you just feel like Jesus wasn't even there? Preacher I listen to, Damon Thompson, he says that he's been in more church services than Jesus has. Because a lot of them, he wasn't even in, in the vicinity. Jesus was challenged by tradition. If you ever want to have the future of church technology, you must first embrace the challenge of change. It is being said in five years, technology will be 32 more, 
32 times more advanced than it is today. In five years, it will be 32 times more advanced. Watch this. In 10 years, it will be 1,000 times more advanced. Can you imagine? If you buy a brand new computer that came out today, tomorrow it's already obsolete. And yet in 10 years, a thousand more, a thousand times more, you're going to buy a computer one minute, and the next minute it's going to be obsolete. Billy Graham, one of the most, and one of the first television preachers once said, it is time for the church to use technology to make a statement that is statement that in the midst of chaos, emptiness, and despair, there is hope in the person of Jesus Christ. It is time to use technology to bring forth hope. What should I be doing already? As a pastor, as a leader, what should we be doing in our churches already? Uh, I didn't make a slide for this one, but the first thing is internet. I'm going to get into some of the more natural things now. I, I laid a foundation, but we're going to go into some of the natural things here. Free Wi-Fi should be on your church campus. People are more connected today than they've ever been in their entire lives. And we're going to see how we're going to use that connection to, to grow our church spiritually and naturally. But um, if you don't have internet at your church, for one, your, your media people need it, your sound people need it. And honestly, your pastors need it when they're online looking up uh, scriptures and you know, it is so convenient when God is speaking a word into you. If he's speaking trust, you can go into Google and type trust in the Bible and all the scriptures that ever were and ever will be will pull up and you can read every single scripture right then and there in a matter of 10 seconds. It used to take us hours. So the first thing you need is internet in your church. Not just internet, reliable internet. <laughs> High-speed internet. When we first moved here in October, September, October, whatever it was of last year, the first thing I did was I picked up the phone and called Comcast and said, look, you got to come fix the internet. It's horrible. We, we were dropping all the time. We never had connection. We never had problems. Pastor had called. Marta had called. Uh, Brother Nate had called. They didn't get anybody out here. I picked up the phone. And I said, can I talk to a manager? Sometimes you just got to talk to a manager. All right, if you're having problems with your internet, talk to a manager. They'll get it done. It was fixed within the day. They sent somebody that day. So fast, reliable internet. Second thing you need to do, what should I be doing already? You should be investing in your sound and media. Those are hard words for some uh, board members that know the financial situation of your church. Do we have any board members here of churches? Devin. Devin knows the financial situation. And when I go to him and say, Devin, I need a $3,000 part for a sound, he looks at me and says, I'll talk to the board, <laughs> you know, or a pastor. I say, hey, pastor, we need to spend $6,000 on camera equipment. Um, he's like, we'll do it. Pastor's more, we'll, we'll get there. God will provide. But anyway, 
Investing in your sound and media. I don't, I don't care if it's $50 a week. I don't care if it's $100 a week. I don't care if it's $2 a week. $2 a week will add up. Put some money into your sound booth. Put some money into your media team. Churches often, oftentimes expect their sound men to be able to produce professional sound quality with a $500 sound system. Listen to this. This is like telling a carpenter to build a house using a butter knife as a saw. I, as a sound man, cannot produce professional quality sound with a $500 sound system. It's time to spend a little bit of money. Because the truth is, if tr- people will not come if your sound is bad. We all have issues. We had issues today, the music, you know. But people will not come. I mean, I, I used to put it like this. If, if you had a choice, and let's use millennial terms, if you called an Uber... You got on Uber and you requested an Uber and two accidentally show up at your door. And one is a 1960s beat up, rusted out, ugly looking, bad sounding, sounds like it's going to fall apart car that you wouldn't put your toe in, let alone your whole body in. And the other one is a Cadillac Escalade. Tinted windows, big rims, you know, looks looks like something Brother Ramon would write. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Pastor Ramon would not take that wrong at all. He would be laughing if he was here. Um, which one will you get in? Pastor's getting in the Escalade. I'm getting in the Escalade. So if a church, if a person comes into your church and your sound is horrible and you can't hear the preachers and you can't hear the singers and you can't hear the musicians and the drums sound like they're in a tunnel and everything is just all out of whack and horrible, and then they go to the church down the street that's actually put a little money in their sound system and put a little money in training their sound people and it sounds decent, which church do you think they'll choose? Not that it's about the sound, it should be about the spirit. But if the spirit's moving there and it's moving here, guess what? I'm going the one that sounds better. Because I'm a sound man and I like it to sound good. I got to hurry. 50 minutes goes really fast when... All right. Invest in your computers. Our laptop situation over the past couple of months has been really interesting. In September, we started live streaming with one laptop that they had had for many years. Um, In a matter of weeks, that that laptop was sitting in a corner not being able to be used because we had pushed it to its full capacity and it wasn't able to handle what we were doing. So I brought my laptop in, my old laptop. In a matter of... Two months, that laptop was sitting in a corner, not being able to be used because we had pushed it to its full capacity and it just wasn't working. So Kyle brings his laptop in. Kyle is our camera guy. Everybody say hi, Kyle. Yeah. Um, Kyle brings his laptop in. 
And his lasts for three months. And in three months, his is now sitting back there. It blew a fan out, so we went and replaced the fan. But when we replaced the fan, the hard drive went out, and he lost every single file that was on his computer and lost all the software operating system that was on his computer. And it is now sitting in the corner, not being used because it is fried, basically. In five months, we went through three computers. Why? Because we didn't have the right equipment that we needed. Last month, praise the Lord, I got online and I found a website that was for nonprofits that gave you a discount when you bought a computer. So for the, we went through that website. We bought, we, I think we put $350 into our computer. We now have the best computer we've ever had. It's going to last us for a year before we have to upgrade it, a year and six months. We're not replacing the computer in a year and six months. We're going to add more stuff to the computer so it operates better. But anyway, the point of the message is you have to invest in good quality equipment for your media and sound department. Poor pastor's computer. I got, he, he said, I can't connect to the Internet or something when we first moved here. And I get on his computer, sit down, and it's like Windows 98 on that computer. And I was like, Pastor, I'm having flashbacks to my early childhood because your computer is <laughs> operating Windows 98. I mean, we're at, what is it, Windows 10 now. We, we've had about six generations of operating software. We're going to upgrade his computer eventually, but, you know, it, it takes money. Amen? Anyway. Yes. <laughs> Somebody donate $350 so Pastor Ken. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was a joke, I promise. All right. <laughs> Creating and developing your website. This is the next thing you should be doing. Creating and developing your website. Only 55% of churches have a website. Nearly 6 in 10 millennials that are Christians look first to online resources to engage their faith. Six in ten millennials look for churches online before they ever visit a church. And if half of you don't have a website, how will they ever know that you're there? And if you're a church on fire and you're experiencing healings and you're experiencing souls being saved and you're experiencing the fire of God coming in and wrecking your church, then why wouldn't you want to reach that millennial that's online searching for a church to attend? 70% of millennials read scripture from their cell phones. There's a wonderful thing. I was watching a YouTube video about innovation in the church, and this pastor began to talk about how his church bought Google AdWords. These are words that you can attach to your website. And, you know, he was thinking about it, and there's so many times in the church we try to steal other church members. We try to attract other church members to go from this church to that church. And why don't you come be a part of our church? Or we go and we hear this phenomenal worship leader. And I've been in this situation multiple times. And they try to steal me for, or uh, wonderful worship leaders from other churches and say, you could, you, we could really use you here. We'll pay you. We'll give you the world. And everything will go happen if you'll just come to our church. And we try to steal people like that. We try to manipulate and say, we really need you to come here. But I'm not interested in, in stealing any church people. 
This church wasn't interested in trying to get other church people to come to their church. What they wanted was they wanted sinners to come to their church. So they got on Google AdWords and they began to put words that represented sin into their Google AdWords and attach it to their website. So if you were a teenage male and you were a millennial and you got on your phone and you typed in beautiful women, guess what was the first thing that would pop up? The church. <laughs> oh, come on. If, if you were a pot smoker and you were looking for other pot smokers and you typed in pot smokers united or whatever, I don't know, or Alcoholics Anonymous, guess what was the first thing that popped up? The church. We are the answer to sin. We are the answer to the world. We are the answer to those looking for, oh, come on. We are the answer to needy people. We are the answer to the hungry. And if people are online searching for help, we should be what pops up. So, I mean, as a media person, I hope to one day get on Google AdWords and buy the word porn and attach that to our website. I attach porn to our website, but the word porn to our website. <laughs> I hope as one day that I'll be able to go on our website and attach heroin to our website. Heroin addiction to our website. I pray that one day I'll be able to go onto our website and attach gay to our website. To attach lesbian to our website. Because we, hopefully, I pray in Jesus' name, are going to become a church that quits shunning people because of their sin and begin loving people because they were created by the Lord God. And he loves them. And if he loves them, then we should love him. Amen? I'm sorry, I'm trying to hurry. Online giving, credit card and debit card giving. There are some really easy, simple to use online giving services. One is called Tithely. You simply type tithe.ly into Google and it will come up immediately. Uh, the other one is Easy Tithe, which was the one I believe we use here. Um, only 42% of churches have online giving. Almost all of people from 35 and under do not carry cash. I don't have that exact figure, but I know very few, very, very few people under the age of 40 that carry cash. We have cards. So if you don't have a way for people to give, through the card, you're losing out, right? We're going we're to improve on our online giving um, in the next day to come. Not only online giving, but the ability to fill out the back of your card or back of your envelope and write the card number on there. Some people are more comfortable with that. And then the, the treasurer after church goes in and types in their card number and charges their card for their tithes and their offerings. That should be incorporated in your church. If not, you're losing out. And if not, you're preventing people from giving their tithes, not helping people. So, Facebook, 
This is one I love. I love Facebook. Facebook has opened up so many things for this church and is going to open up so many more things for us in the future. But as of March 9th, 2018, that was yesterday, 17,497 views of Facebook Live since September 10th of last year of our ministry. 17,497 views of our Facebook Live services. We've had 79 services since we started Facebook Live. The average online church attendance for Christian Heritage Worship Center is 221 people per service. The average in attendance is between 40 and 60. We tripled our attendance Facebook Live. Is that powerful? Pastor Jeff back there, Pastor Russell up here, and a few of us others have been praying for 200 to be added to our church overnight. It did. It was. They're not here, and we're believing for 200 more to be added to the church here, but our online experience, 221 people is our average per service. That, that figure just amazed me that we had been praying for 200 and 200 had come. Intentionally make weekly posts on your Facebook. If you do not have Facebook for your church, get Facebook for your church. People go on Facebook. They look for Facebook. They look for churches on Facebook. And they expect you to have a Facebook page for your church. They want to know what's going on. They want to know the announcements for the week. They want to know if uh, uh, we're having intentional conference. They want to know if we're having special uh, donation for missions. They want to know what's going on in your church. And Facebook is a place that you can do it. Um, this is something that we haven't started incorporating here yet, but I hope in the future that we will, is considering Facebook ads. Facebook has ads that you can create for any budget. If you want to spend $10 a week on Facebook ads and advertise that, hey, our church is here, we're still alive, we're not just an empty building that you drive past on Monday through Friday, but we actually have church, you know, you can advertise on Facebook for $10 and reach thousands. $10 a week and reach thousands. Not only should you advertise your church, but you should advertise conferences, services, ministries, missions, anything going on in your church, people need to know about it. Do me a favor, take out your cell phones. I'm almost done, I promise. Do you have Facebook? Yes, open up Facebook. At the very top of Facebook, as a search bar, type in Christian Heritage Worship Center. Okay? Are you all there? Say amen. Hit the big like button. If you do not care, if you're not already liked, all right? Now, go back up to your search bar, hit delete. Hit, go back up to your search bar. 
hit the X in the corner or hit delete until all that's erased, and then type in Christian Heritage Ministerial Fellowship. Once that pulls up, you click on the page, click like for me, all right? You are now connected. You will know every single thing that is happening at Christian Heritage Fellowship and Christian Heritage Worship Center. You will see, see our live stream post. You will see what's going on. You will see when Pastor Phil loses a couple more hairs. on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Come on, you all can laugh. It's okay. We're almost done. Everybody good on Facebook? Do you have YouTube on your phones? Go to YouTube real quick. Type in Christian Heritage Worship Center at the top of the search bar. Click subscribe and then click the little bell. Everybody get it? Say amen. When you get it. No, it does not. God, I pray you make her a giver in Jesus' name. No, I'm just kidding. Did you hit subscribe and hit the little bell? Amen? Everybody? We're working on it? Okay. I'm going to move on. YouTube, if you have a 1,000 subscribers on your YouTube account, you can begin to make money from YouTube. You connect it to AdSense. And start generation, generating money from YouTube. So guess what? Your media account just began to get money in it consistently just by simply uploading videos to YouTube and people watching it. You have to do nothing that you're not already doing. You want to know how to grow your media account? Get a YouTube account. Get a thousand subscribers. Other social media, I'm not going to be here long. Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter are also wonderful ways for you to connect. That's all I'm going to say about that. This is where, this is our next step in our media department. Church app and becoming mobile. Uh, me and my wife last year went to Elevation Worship, which is Stephen Furtick's church. I'm not sure if any of you know who that is, but some of you may. Um, he's a wonderful pastor. They have a wonderful church. They have change in their church, so it's, it's contradictory to people who like tradition, but it's okay. They had the Spirit of God there. That's all that matters. Anyway, we went to Elevation Church. We got five minutes from the church, and because I had the app on my cell phone for their church, a notification dings into my cell phone and says, welcome to Elevation Church. We're so excited that you are here. Your drive time is two minutes till you're at our church. When you get to our church, turn on your flashers and our parking attendants will direct you to the front door where you can park 20 feet from the front door because you are a guest and it's your first time here. And we're so excited you're here. And when we got in and we pulled into our parking spot, people met us at our door, at our car, and they said, we're so excited that you're here. And they welcomed us and they made, a, made us feel apart and made us feel important. And then they walked us from our car to, our, to the church door where they handed us off to somebody else. And that person gave us a, a visitor card and that person said, you know, we're so excited that you're here. We're really uh, 
is this your first time? Where are you from? Are you on vacation? Yes, we are. That's awesome. We're celebrating our first year of marriage. But, uh, you know, they had all these things, and we were so welcome. It made us feel so good. It made us feel like we were important and that we were there. And they knew that we were there. And they were going to do everything they could to make us feel welcomed and important. And, and, and they were available to us. It's called hospitality. Not that you have to have all of those things. I'm not saying you do. But the part I'm talking about is the app. It was really cool when I got five minutes from the church that I didn't have to do anything. I knew that they knew that I was coming. How powerful would that be? In our churches, in this church. Pastor, if there's a way that every member of our church had, had our app on their phone, and we knew when they missed church on a Sunday night, and you could call them up and say, brother, we missed you at church. Because there, believe it or not, there's people who fall through our cracks. There's people who slip out, and we never even realize they're gone until it's too late. But, but our mobile apps and the things of the future can change that. We can be able to, uh, Pastor, this week in our church, a lady was in a car accident, and she broke both hips, and I believe both legs, right? And there was no way for us to know that. She didn't call pastors. She didn't text pastors. She didn't know. But when Thursday night rolled around, had we not been already told through the grapevine, and she wasn't in the church, had we had her, had she had our app on her phone, and we had her phone number because we were being intentional about technology and we were being intentional about our membership, we would have been able to call her and say, hey, is everything all right? We hope that you're doing well. And then we would have known that, hey, she was in a car accident and she broke both hips and we really need to be praying. She could have got on the app in the hospital and she could have sent us an email right there from the app and said, hey, I was in a really bad accident. Even if she didn't have any of our phone numbers and we could have immediately told pastor, pastor could have go seen her and everything would have flowed a whole lot better. Right? People today expect to be able to access whatever they need via mobile technology. Mobile technology remains the critical piece to the church's technological future. I lost my papers. There they are. Page 15 of, your, of the book that you're going to get later says, Nearly every manner in which a churchgoer has grown accustomed to engaging with the church will have a mobile component. Your congregation will give via the app. They will, or at least be able to, watch services on your app. They'll read their Bibles on the church app and even discuss with others using the app what they are learning. They will get news about what's going on at the church through mobile alerts. They will sign up for church events straight from their mobile devices. They will respond to sermons with their mobile devices. Let's be clear, mobile technology won't change what our churches do. We'll still gather people for worship, connect them in meaningful relationships, disciple them, train them for ministry, and send them out to impact the world for Jesus Christ. How we do it will change dramatically because of mobile technologies in the year to come, but the, method, the, the, the foundation will still be the same. 
podcasting. That's here or there. You can have podcasting of your sermons. People love to listen to messages. Um, what's next? I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. What's next? We will become data-driven. Google, Google Maps, every time I go to a restaurant, it asks me how my experience was at that restaurant. I didn't even put in Google Maps that I was going to that restaurant, because, but because I accepted that they could know my location, they know when I go into Walmart. They're tracking us, but it's okay. <laughs> what if the church starts tracking people, and we see when they go in the bars, and we call them up and say, brother, you know you're not supposed to be there. I'm just having fun. The, the cloud will become more prominent. What if every computer in your church, you could have access to every file that you have? How awesome would that be? What if every tablet you pick up, all you had to do is enter your password, and you could have every single file that was on your tablet, on your personal tablet, on somebody else's? What if, what if pastor got out in the parking lot and he prepared his message on his iPad? You have an iPad, right? Yeah, okay. Um, prepared a message on his iPad, and he drops his iPad in a puddle, and it destroys the iPad. He could then look at RJ and say, RJ, I really need your iPad because I need my message. And he could get onto the cloud, download his message off of his files, and put it on my iPad and still be able to preach everything that he had in his notes. How awesome, right? This is nothing new. This has been around for a while, but it's expanding. It's growing. Um, live streaming will be in 360 virtual reality. Have you all seen the... VR glasses your grandkids are using? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sorry. Have you seen the VR glasses that everybody was buying at Christmas time where, you know, there's big bulky looking glasses that they put over their eyes and they can see and they can turn around and ride roller coasters and it feels like they're actually there because it's covering all over their field of view. We will have 360 tr cameras in our churches and a person can put on VR reality headsets and look around and see every person that was at church that morning. How important is it that your church becomes worshipers? Oh, come on. I'm getting back in the spiritual side. How important is it that you are on fire for God as a church? How important is it that the power and the fire and the anointing and the Holy Ghost is in your services and the, you have anointed worship leaders and you have anointed preachers? How important is it? We're going to be on Facebook. We're going to be on Twitter. We're going to be on YouTube. And people are going to be watching. And we're, if, I told Pastor I was going to tell you, if you say that you have healings happening in your church and somebody on Facebook needs a healing and that night they come to your church and they See that you lied on Facebook because healings weren't really happening in church. If you say you're having healings happen, you better be having healings happen. If you say that the Holy Ghost and fire is in your church, you better be Holy Ghost and fire in your church. This generation, my generation, is looking for something real. We're looking for something real.
all of our technology in the church will require you to hire more staff. I know Pastor Lance said that we needed to not hire more staff. However, there are so many more things that this church could be doing with our media and sound department if somebody was full-time in the media and sound department. (laughs) My wife gets so mad at me that I go and work 40 hours a week and then come home and spend eight hours in the basement working on church stuff. (laughs) She's like, won't you spend time with me? And I try to spend as much time as I can with her. But, you know, there's stuff that has to get done. And it falls on my shoulders for it to get done. So there's times where there, there's this battle. And, I mean, even for this weekend, I, I've been working 40 hours a week. And, and there was just a lot going on. And I, I was behind on everything. And I had to rush and get everything done. And, and it, it just didn't work out the way that I wanted to work. And it would have flowed so much better. So don't resist considering hiring people. For your media department, at least one person. At least one. That's not a plug for me to get hired at the church, just so you know. (laughs) The first step, and we're done. The first step, you need partners to do this. Not, Not financial partners. You need people that know what they're doing in these departments. Um, or you need people that can learn to know what they're doing in these departments. And these people, these people are the ones that we so often shun. That we so often say you're not good enough. That we so often say you haven't put in your time. These people that you need to partner with you and your media and your sound and your technology, they're millennials. And they're the generation after millennials. You want to see what the future of the church looks like? Pastor, Ashley, would you come to the piano real quick? If you, if you would stand on this top step for me, Pastor. Pastor Devin, are you in here? We come. Pastor Ronnie, would you stand on that side? On the top step. Um, Pastor Mark, or Dr. Mark, whatever you want. We stand on that side. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just real, man. We, do I have another pastor in here that's 50 and above? <laughs> do I have another pastor? Would, oh, you're a pastor, right? Yeah. Would you care to stand on this side for me? I'm sorry. What we have here is our leaders, is our leaders. Yes. Pastor Ronnie's young. (laughs) Pastor Ronnie's young. These are our leaders. These are the current people that are in charge of our churches. You, sir, need to step down here. Ma'am, if you would, come over on this side. I'm sorry. Jade, will you come up and help me? Stand in front of Pastor, right there. Jade, you stand in front of your pastor. Rebecca, will you come help me? Kyle, will you put a wide angle on all this and come help me? 
Step up a couple steps if you don't care. <laughs> Rebecca, you stand in front of her. Kyle, if you don't care, to come help me real quick. Run. You stand in front of Dr. Mar. Lance right here. You want to see what the future of church looks like? Pastors, I want you to put your hands on their shoulders and begin to pray for them. This next generation is not interested in succession. We are interested in synergy. I do not need the next generation to give up everything that they have and hand it over to me. I need my older generation leaders and pastors to put their hands on my shoulders and say, I will run with you. I will do everything that I can to make sure that the next generation su succeeds. This is what the future of church looks like. It's not pushing away the younger generation and saying you're not old enough to do what God has called you to do. You're not good enough to do what God has called you to do. This is the older generation looking at the younger generation and saying, I will be father for you. I will be a spiritual father, and I will direct you in the ways that you need to go. And we're going to take the creative ability that God has placed in your heart, and we're going to mold that, and we're going to form that, and we're going to develop that, and we're going to grow the church together. We're going to grow the church together. If you're a millennial in this room, I want you to come stand in front of these guys. Any millennials? There's a few. Brother. Your brother walking down the aisle, come up and help me. The future church is not just younger. The future church is not just older. The future church is younger and older coming together for one purpose and one cause. And it may not look like it's always looked. And it may not sound like it's always sounded. And it may not taste like it's always tasted. And it may not smell the way it's always smelled. But God is going to use the synergy of the ages and he's going to wreck the world. He's going to turn the world upside down and the kingdom of heaven will become the kingdom of earth and heaven will come to earth and his presence will dwell in our churches again when we become the synergy of the ages. If you're not a millennial and you're older, I want you to come and stand in front of these. That's everybody. This is what the future church looks like. Not any big eyes and little me, little yous. Not any big eyes and little yous. Not that it's all about me and it's all about me and it's what I want. And if the, if the, the carpet color isn't the way I wanted it and if the paint on the walls is not the way I wanted it and if the sound doesn't sound the way I want it to sound, it's not about you. It's about us going after his presence and the kingdom of God. older generation and we're going to say we are joining forces together to be all that God has called us to be, to be the church and the bride that we are called to be. We are going to quit being fake. We're going to quit being religious. We're going to be the church of Jesus Christ. And the church of Jesus Christ is family. It's family.
As Ashley sings, begin to pray. Come on. God, we pray, make us family again. God, tear down the walls of separation. Tear down the walls of generational gaps, God. Tear down our walls, God. God, make us family, God. Make us older people recognize that we need the younger people. And younger people recognize that we need the older people.